Hey, what's up, psychos? Welcome to another episode of Take Your Pills, a Psychopath, the comedy podcast that exploits mental illness for personal profit. Trademark. I'm your host, John F. O'Donnell, J. Fod. Thank you so much for listening. Wow, we have such, such a great episode this week. I'm going to tell you all about it in a minute, but first, some housekeeping. You guys, psychos, I did it. I set up a Patreon for the podcast, so it's a way that you guys can support me, throw me some bones, throw me some cash if you can afford to do so, uh, so I can keep doing this. It would mean a lot to me. If you find value in the work, all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash t-y-p-p that is patreon.com slash t-y-p-p there's some different tiers you get cool extras all sorts of fun stuff anybody that signs up at any tier gets a official an official certifiable psycho certificate with your name and your diagnosis on it if you so desire written out by me and emailed and um a few people have got them so far and uh, everybody seems to dig them and then there's all sorts of other uh, extras and stuff like that so please just check out patreon.com slash t-y-p-p i uh, would love and appreciate the support okay getting into it wow this episode is with the uh amazing uh the one and only the dear friend uh andrea allen wow uh she's a great comedian and podcaster she uh is um one half of the duo uh that does the hot mess comedy hour and she's great we've known each other for a long time and i feel like this time around i don't need to do any sort of like extended intro i just want to tell you and we get into it right off the bat you know i have bipolar one disorder she has a very recent i'm talking within the past couple of weeks recent diagnosis of bipolar two disorder you guys and i just want to show you the uh the power of the human spirit of how she is a straight up rolling with it is inspirational to me. I think it'll be inspirational to all of you. So we talk about that at length. And then she was acutely around for me. She was part of my rescue squad a few the other month in November when I was spinning out in New York, which I have talked about in recent previous episodes. So she explains from her perspective what it was like to be there for me. And wow, it is quite the story. It was at times tough for me to listen to, but I'm glad that I did. And I'm glad that we got that. So, yeah, it's like, you know, it's a two hour episode. It's a great episode. And I'm so appreciative to have gotten to record it. And I'm so thankful to get to share it with all of you. So. Without any more whatever, without further ado, please enjoy this episode of Take Your Pills Psychopath with Andrea Allen. Hey, Andrea, how are you? Ah, 
I'm bipolar. How are you? <laughs> also bipolar. <laughs> what? Wow. What? A very new recent diagnosis of bipolar 2 disorder, but between bipolar 2 and what? Cyclothymia, which is the most rock and roll name for a mood disorder I've ever heard. Cyclothymia. I have cyclothymia because I've been to too many backstage uh, concerts when I've seen Metallica or something, you know? Yeah. It sounds very medical. I mean, I'm sorry, metal. Metal and medical. Like if heavy metal and big pharma got together to name something, (laughs) it would be cyclothymia. Yeah. It's uh, very, 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 very cool. But hold on. Okay. Let's... uh, Let's uh, let's put a pin in that for one second mm-hmm. because I am so so excited to talk to you because I have this bipolar one diagnosis. Now you have this recent diagnosis of bipolar two, so now we're like bipolar bro and sis. I know, you right? know, which is kind of great. But I feel like we need to back up, give people some context mm-hmm. on our friendship, the history of our friendship. We've been friends for so fucking long. Yeah. I feel like. Friends come and go, but me and you, it just keeps on going. <laughs> it keeps on coming, if you know what I mean. Where? How long have we known each other for? <laughs> um, I love it. I love it. The super raunch to like the question. Oh, that is funny. That is funny. I, I do. For, I do forget that you. I don't. Actually, I don't forget that you're this lovable raunch monster. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, very on brand. Uh, <laughs> let's see. How long have we known each other? More than 10 years. That's well, I, mm, No, I, I'd say at least 10, maybe more. Wow. I mean, you were in D.C. for a while, so we didn't see each other that often, but we always kept in touch. You would, like, stay at my yes. place and, and when you were come back to Brooklyn. So, yeah, it's been a longstanding, you know, friendship. Yeah, yeah, and it's cool. I mean, you know, we've had we've had our ups and downs. We've had our, like, our fights and stuff like that. But I think at the end of the day, because we're both good people, Um, you know, that we've pushed through and it was like you were saying, you didn't realize it until recently, but there's like kind of a reason you've always been attracted in different capacities to people with bipolar disorder. So humbling to be like, oh yeah, every time I connect on like a deeper level, like I've had so many bipolar friends. Every time I meet someone and I connect deeply with them, they're like, oh, by the way, I'm bipolar. I'm like, of course you are, because every single one. And I think one of the major things is that is the like talking, getting like really, really wrapped up in conversation and just going for like hours and hours and hours and kind of like having this intensity. Um, I always sort of felt that when when talking to people who are bipolar. So it's not entirely a surprise also so, all yeah. of my romantic partners are some sort of bipolar so yeah it's, it's been there yeah so it's the sort of thing where there's that real kind of fire in the belly and that intense conversation and stuff like that you've sort of felt right at home in that yeah. social situation yeah definitely yeah i'm every time i make a, f- a friend who i'm closely connected to it's like oh we sat and talked until like 3 a.m you know in this very very connected way um you know well i have certainly have great conversations with people of all states of mind but um that one particularly seems to be like special or uh to feel i feel understood in those types of situations it's interesting right because it is 
an illness, but at the same time, there's something really at times, for lack of a better word, magical about it, or at least there's an in, there's an intensity and a, a, a fire and a passion about life mm-hmm. that is doesn't seem that can be wholly explained by sickness or chronic mental illness. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's I always I remember like. So the staying up at night, I don't know if this happens for you. I mean, staying up late, it seems like an across the board or like irregular sleep patterns seems like an across the board thing. But um, I it is a challenge. But the flip side of that is like so often I'll get these bursts of creativity and it will be late at night. And I remember getting this ever since I was a little girl, you know, just like kind of buzzing along in my own world and like it was magical. Like it feels, it feels euphoric. So it's hard to be, it's hard to label that as like an illness um, because it's, it's helped me with a lot of ideas. It's uh, it helps me on stage. Like I have this energy to to how I am on stage. People are always like, how do you summon that type of like high energy? I'm like, it's just there all the time. Like it needs to escape. It's not like a put on, it's just in there. So Yeah. Yeah, that that fire in the belly is consistently there for me as well. And I will say you are very uh, explosive on stage to the point where I have a lot of energy on stage. But it's like, oh, I've got to follow Andrea. She's really <laughs> going full psycho style here. And it's very funny, but I'm going to have to cleanse the palate for yeah. my energy for the people, which I'm which I'm sure in a lot of other circumstances, people feel that way about me. Um, sure. That is actually something I wrote down was that what I want. OK, so OK, so psychos listening at home. Here's what's going on. So, you know that I've gotten my diagnosis of bipolar one disorder about 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I've talked uh, at length in this podcast about how painful that was uh for me, how it took me many years to be able to say out loud that I have chronic mental illness without crying, how stigmatized things felt, how scared of medication I was, all of that. Cut to Andrea. When did you get your diagnosis? God, like a few weeks ago, maybe a week or two ago. Yeah. Okay. A couple of weeks ago. And she is taking it in stride like a champ. (laughs) I'm very happy for her. Mm -hmm. Also, a little bit jelly, you know, a little bit jelly of the lack of pain that she is feeling. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I'm very proud of her. And it's also it's a sort of thing because she has talked at length for a long time about what she's been through emotionally, psychologically, all sorts of stuff, has dealt with her shit. So now for her to get this diagnosis is actually... Uh, more of uh, a, a relief. Is it fair to say that? Oh, for sure. Well, I think it's. It, I think the reason why I remained undiagnosed for so long is because I did get sober when I was like 25. I have been like folk. I have been focusing on working out a lot of the issues related to childhood trauma. Like, there's two sets of problems here. I'm what they call a dual diagnosis. Um, a DD. Ooh la la. <laughs> I got DDs. Um, but it's like there's addiction and alcoholism and there's like trauma related things that I have ha- that I've spent a great deal of time working on. And then also in the background, there's been this other thing, but I just, it's hard to like, people are like, like, how do you feel about this diagnosis or what? And I'm like, 
I have no other reference point of as how it have how it is to be. My mind has always been this way. So for me, this just means more information. Like that's that's all this means is like more information and perhaps some relief for the more difficult aspects of this. Like and also credit to those who have been destigmatizing and been open about their Ill- like be- because like to your point 20 years ago I think bipolar it was kind of in the place that maybe schizophrenia is now in terms of like like oh you're crazy you're violent you're like this degenerate member of society and there's just enough examples in both in the media and also in my personal life that I'm like oh this is not doesn't make someone worse or bad it just makes someone like differently minded I guess is the way I would say it yeah and it can be it can be challenging but it's also manageable and you can not only survive but thrive you know Mm -hmm. and and uh yeah I think that's I think that's amazing perspective to have on it and do you think that like now so uh you have trauma Mm -hmm. alcoholism and bipolar too, crushing it. Yeah, baby. Um, <laughs> would you say that after the fact, it kind of makes sense that you were self-medicating this with alcohol over all yes. these years? Well, that's actually what my therapist said. So when she started, it was kind of like, I feel like she had been, <laughs> she's always looking at her notepad and like writing stuff down. You know what I mean? And I feel like, <laughs> I feel like one thing tipped her. Because, and I've worked with this therapist before. I actually started going back to her recently because of just like all, everything in COVID. There was so, everyone's been falling apart and I've just been having a really hard time. So eventually I was like, all right, you got it. I was very dissociative and like just in a very bad state of mind. So I was like, I need to take care of myself. And so we kind of went through like my, you know, all of my usual behavior. She's like, how's your OCD, you know? And, uh, you know, how is the hypochondria? Uh, you know, uh, how are all your friends? Um, <laughs> I didn't even mention those things. Y- oh. Sure, sure. Yeah. And, and so you so are take your you are take your pill psychopath uh, gold. You are like royalty. <laughs> I know it's exhausting, to be honest, um, sometimes. But again, I have no frame of reference f- for, you know, f- how I for any other way of existing. So it's like I was like, all right, well, I'm only taking like two showers a day. <laughs> That's And also a lot of these behaviors I had under control before COVID. COVID just threw everyone into the deep end. All of us were completely, you know, devolving to our worst coping mechanisms. There's so much fear um, and anxiety. Like it's, you know, I don't have to tell you it's a nightmare. Um, yeah, and a lot of different coping mechanisms that we have got pulled away from us. You yes. know what I mean? Like, yes. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Like a lot of social interaction stuff. A lot Routines. of for me, it was, it was, yeah. To, for me, it was all sorts of. It was like yoga stuff. It was a lot of performance stuff, stand up stuff. Which, um, which I do wanna, I wanna hear what you wanna say. But then I do want us to talk about stand up. I just wanna talk. About, I want us to just talk about how much we miss fucking stand up because Ugh. I miss it so fucking much. God. But anyway, go ahead. What were you gonna say? Well, so so this doctor knows. She knows my family history, um, and she actually knows a bunch of information about me. And then we were talking about cleaning because I, I go on these like fucking, you know, sprints where I won't stop, but it happens in like the middle of the night and it's from like, you know, 1am to 4am. I like, I'm cleaning and I cannot stop doing it. I have so much energy. I'm so fucking like 
psyched on it. Yeah, you've talked to me about these cleaning spurts, these middle of the night cleaning yes. spurts. And I think in my mind, I've always been like, oh, yeah, that's kind of weird. But I've never really thought about it. You're intensely cleaning, but the place must already be clean, right? I mean, clean, not clean to my standards. You know what I mean? And so also, I also sent emails. Like when I came out with this diagnosis to, to those who were the closest to me, um, who see like the nitty gritty, who get the e- like the intense emails in the middle of the night or like the emotional outbursts, um, they were like, yeah, this makes sense. Um, but, uh, but I read to a lot of people as like a very functioning, like again, when we were saying like you can thrive, it's like, you know, I keep a clean house. I'm, con- I'm constantly like moving. I'm always engaging in creative projects. You know, I'm like this very intense person. Um, but she was like, she was like, tell me more about the cleaning. I'm like, it just feels so good and intense. And, and like, I can't, I won't, I can't stop. Like I will not be able to stop. Um, and also we started talking about the sleep. It's just like the, sometimes it's just like racing thoughts. I can't, I can't turn it off and I won't be able to sleep. And so she kind of was like, okay. And then she started asking me questions, sort of going down the list of, of, you know, symptoms and stuff and it was very humbling (laughs) uh to be like yes 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 (laughs) okay yes like there's this there's this book there's this group therapy that I go to or used to go to um in person um called ACOA adult children of alcoholics and I think I've talked maybe a little bit about this previous shows but there's a they call it a laundry list for when you go into that program and it it is a similar thing where it's like you are afraid of authority figures you confuse pity and love whatever like and uh, it was a similar experience of like and here we go again yes 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 yeah like how many fucking lists can i completely score a hundred percent on You're getting A pluses all over the place. Dude. Yes, I mean that's another thing too. Is like I've always I've always done really well in school. I've always been like a person who uh, performs well in in most things that I, um, in most things that I really put a lot of effort into. So that can feel confusing to be like high functioning, quote unquote, because then people are not like they don't question your behaviors. They don't, you know. Do you think that because you've gotten a diagnosis maybe a little bit later in your life, Mm -hmm. like, uh, how old are you now? I'm 32. Yeah, as of the other day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So do you feel like because you got this diagnosis a little bit later in your life, because of the introspective work you've already done, Mm -hmm. people you know, because of some of these stigma dominoes having having dropped, that it was like, so... You've been able to to roll with this, and I, I know that we already kind of touched upon this, but I'm just, I'm very proud of you, and you. it's incredibly actually heartening. Like, I was joking earlier, but it's really, really heartening for me to uh, hear somebody get a diagnosis like this, roll with it, mm-hmm. and it makes me feel like, uh, clearly, obviously not just myself, but so many folks who for years have been talking about this and working to destigmatize it, that it's actually had some effect, it and has, it makes me actually sure. feel... A little bit uh, emotional, to be honest. It, um, yeah, it definitely has worked. It, there's also there's a weird correlation with bipolar people and like intelligence. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of people that are like, yeah, a lot of bipolar people are really smart or creative or like come up with interesting perspectives. So 
you know, I like to hold on to that and be like, yeah. And, and again, through my relationships with so many bipolar people, I'm like, bipolar people fucking rock. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I see Until it as, <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. Uh, which we will get into. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, yeah. P.S. Here's how on the same page uh, me and Andrea are. For those of you uh, watching video and the new Patreon, you get video mm-hmm. patreon.com slash T.Y.P.P. Uh, please join. Um, Andrea just drank from her watermelon wonder kombucha. I too have a watermelon wonder kombucha that I'm I've refilled with water. Hey, so that's pretty cool. Also, what people don't know is that my my black my black graphic t-shirt game is it's pretty it's pretty hot. It's oh, pretty yeah. it's top it might level. be one of the best, mm-hmm. but it is top level. But look what I have on right now. This is a new one. This is uh, one that says, can you read what that says, Andrew? Powered by, uh, you oh, disappeared. No, disappeared. But does Hold it say there. lithium? <laughs> yeah, it does. Powered <laughs> by lithium, oh my God, you I guys. Yeah. I was just looking for cool t-shirts and I typed lithium into the search bar and then I found this. It says powered by lithium. Got a little little, little pill bottle and Kurt it makes Cobain. me happy to wear it. What's up? What's up? Most of the stuff was Kurt Cobain related uh, because of the song Lithium. You are right. Sure. Um, that song but, uh, is Kurt Cobain was bipolar, too, apparently. I, you know, yes, I did the whole like, searching what, for celebrities who are bipolar. What are songs about bipolar? You know. Yeah, yeah, me too. And I definitely tell people Kurt Cobain was bipolar because whether it's true or not, it just sounds really cool. Fuck yeah. You know I'll, I mean? We'll claim him. <laughs> we'll totally claim him. Mm-hmm. I uh, yeah, I actually yeah, I actually said that in uh in my stand-up special, something about how, like, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll totally, yeah. It's like, I don't know if it's true or not, but it sounds cool. <laughs> Do you know what's, so to bring back to um, self-medicating with alcohol, it's funny, like, so the therapist was like, yes, alcohol is a, a downer, so it, like, t- takes your central nervous system down. That's why so many people are, bipolar people use it to fall asleep or whatever. Um, so she's like, when you take medication, it's like kind of a version of that. I'm like, so you're saying I get to drink again? <laughs> That's hilarious. Shots, shots, yeah. shots, 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 shots. Shot, shot. I'm doing it for my illness. I have to do it. <laughs> it's the rules. You know, Jaeger. I was prescribed Jaegermeister <laughs> by my doctor. No, I get fucking pill form. I don't get any of the fun stuff. But Well, can you, can you um, explain to people... So interesting. Okay, so okay. Uh, first of all, because you brought up medication, so you are on Lamictal, Lamotrigine, the generic. Yeah. Uh, I'm also on Lamictal. Lamotrigine is the generic for Lamictal. Yeah. And interestingly, people that have bipolar two disorder, uh, oftentimes Lamictal can be uh, enough of a maintenance medication that it controls uh, it controls the the uh, the bipolar depression well enough and balances mood well enough that that along with lifestyle changes can uh, have some really good uh, outcomes for mm-hmm. someone like myself with bipolar one with classic bipolar Dude, you I'm know just the b-side you're the main you album. are yes yeah 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 you're the you're the but b-sides are cool too b-sides sure, are really sure. cool they have cool alternative versions of songs you're like <laughs> wow i didn't know about that b-side you know um so uh, anyway, from someone like myself, Lamictal is almost like it goes hand in hand with 
uh, more of a mood stabilizer like lithium, which can control the manias more. So those mm-hmm. are, that's what I'm on. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I wanted you to explain to people is so first real quick, I'll just say this. Bipolar one disorder is categorized by having more manic episodes and highs, full blown manic episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh, I've seen them. Yes, sometimes with uh, with psychosis, with psychotic thinking, which mm-hmm. I have experienced. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So have I. We're Witnessed. Gonna, yeah, we're gonna get into that. Mm-hmm. Andrew was there. Andrew was part of my rescue crew, you guys, for this most recent episode that I talked about in the other episode. We will get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, those highs, those manic highs, are then followed by depressive uh, lows that can get really, really dark. And then, you know, you got to claw your way out of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Bipolar 2 is usually categorized by more of the uh, depressions, then followed by uh, like hypomania, like mania mm-hmm. light or something like that, which sure. is kind of what Andrea was describing. Now, Andrea has a diagnosis, and I want her to talk more about it and explain it because I'm not super familiar with this bipolar 3, they actually call it. She's like between bipolar 2 and bipolar 3. And what's that word again? cyclothymia i'll look it up right now let's see if i can get it up um cyclothymia so yeah so andrea's because me and andrea have talked about this what you told me is that your diagnosis is like a bipolar two between bipolar two and uh cyclothymia because i don't think you do you sometimes i know that you've dealt with low-grade depressions but i'm not sure if you've dealt with extended clinical depressions no i haven't what's interesting is like my depression is it's like explosive it's hard to explain it doesn't last for very long and i think that's why she was like you're somewhere in the middle because it's like it comes on and it's 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 almost with the explosiveness of the highs to be honest um and that's another thing is i've always been labeled amongst family and close friends as very sensitive um you know, disre- dis- deregulated, I guess. Is, is that a, dysregulated? Um, I mean, emotionally, uh, psychologically. I mean, I would say you're very much emotionally, psychologically, physiologically dysregulated. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I. the thing is, you know, I mean, it's like, uh, I just... Sensitive? Sens- what does that even mean? Just like that you're paying attention to life? You know? I think I, I think it's a mix. Of the two. Like, of course, sensitive. also sensitive has been used in like a, a, as a weapon against me you know like you're sensitive like i'm calling out something that's legitimately happening and then i'm being billed as sensitive because i have this i am affected very easily i think i probably cry in some way shape or form on like a daily basis and it's not even like it's not even like (laughs) oh buddy i know but it's that's to me again i have no frame of reference of any other way it's not like i'm crying always because i'm upset i'll like see something beautiful and tear up or i'll hear a song or I'll think about, you know what I mean? It's just like very, everything comes very intensely and quickly for me. And so the depression is a similar way, explosive, intense, um, and quick. And like, I've always been embarrassed by it. You know, like I don't share it with people. And I think that's another reason why I've, I've always gone under the radar with it is like, I'm having these episodes and I'll be like, I don't feel like talking. I'm in a bad mood. Um, or, you know, like, my ex-boyfriend has fielded many calls in the middle of the night where I'm like crying uncontrollably. It's almost, it's laced with anger too, which is interesting. Um, I think there's also like anger there from other things too. Um, 
So yeah, they don't, it's not like a long lasting, but it's definitely explosive and feels out of control. And I can, I know that it's not rational, quote unquote, um, but I can't get out of it. Like I just have to sort of like stay the, stay the course. Um, And those have been getting worse as I have aged. I think, and I think also the sleeping has gotten worse um, here. I'll read I will read. Hold on one second, though. Read that in a second. But what I wanted to ask you about about the depression is how often would you say that they happen to you? Uh, probably a few times a month. And how long do they last? A few days. And, yeah, and that's the thing about depression. It is it is irrational, you know, yeah. but you can't just think your way out of it. You can't just tell yourself it's irrational and then make it go away. Yes. Um, and I think... Like you were saying, you feel ashamed of them or you don't talk about them very much. I feel like I talk a lot less about the depressions than I do about the uh, the manias and stuff yes. like that. Because the manias, after some time passes, I can present them in a funny and engaging way. Sure. And the stories are intense and there's a lot going on there. And there's a lot of weirdness and creativity. And yeah. I can use being a comedian to process it. But the depressions are just as intense in their own way. And they're just like... The banality of of depression is so painful. Well, um, and the tricky thing, do you feel like even though your depressions are somewhat short lived, do you sort of when you're in them, do you feel like they're just going to last forever? I've gotten wise enough to know that they're not going to last forever, but they feel hopeless. Um, they also like when I was younger and drinking, there was a lot of suicidal thought sort of surrounding them um just felt like a fit almost and it was like embar it was like embarrassing to get that out of control um and so i i also like was thinking a lot about my relationships like you know sexual intimate or otherwise um that part of me is I don't show people like I'm embarrassed by that so I don't show people that but that's a very big part of like my ex-boyfriend and maybe my best friend you've seen a little bit of it you know here and there but it's kind of like um uh it's like having an injury you know when someone has an injury and the muscles around are, are like stronger to compensate for it it feels like that like I have this embarrassing dark sort of part and so I'm funny and fun and whatever in the in you know as to compensate um because I don't want people to see that other side I don't want to be difficult to be around I don't want to be viewed as crazy or irrational there's also a whole other level to like sadness and women um or emotionalness and women like I never want to sort of like give that to people if you know what I mean like women are emotional I'm like I am screaming and crying right now and I will never show you because yeah yeah because uh, that's yeah 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 like why should someone get to have their bullshit one-dimensional stereotype reinforced at your expense you know yes um I do think that uh that's an amazing analogy the idea of like one muscle being weak and then all of the other parts of the body overcompensating by being mm-hmm. stronger or something mm-hmm. like that. I, I've mm-hmm. never heard it put like that before. Um, it also feels what like I a secret. 
Yeah, that, yeah. That oh, no, totally. Few people are allowed to see until I trust them the most, you know, because I think they're going to leave if they see it. Yeah. So yeah. there's like that's so there's issues of fear of abandonment and stuff like yeah. that around around the, de- the depression aspect yes. of things. Yes, because the manic as- episode ap- aspect of it is fun and creative and cool and like very charismatic, very together, you know, this like this fucking lightning rod and then there's this other side that is difficult and angry and hopeless and that's not fun to be around that's not shiny you know yeah for me for me when i'm in the depressed phase i don't i don't necessarily feel like i worry about abandonment but i feel just so pathetic personally i feel so pathetic and broken and I feel like my brain is working slower so I feel like this shell of my former self and I I just feel embarrassed and I just want to self-isolate mm-hmm. like crazy mm-hmm. and just avoid avoid the world and it's just a shitty shitty ass feeling you know yeah um but so I think that that's why people with all sort of different diagnoses within the the bipolar extended dysfunctional family can kind Mm -hmm. of uh relate to that and so can people with unipolar depression too you know um well that's an interesting thing that you bring up unipolar depression because so it's like i I do connect very well i connect very intensely with people with bipolar but a lot of the times those relationships will suffer because it's two (laughs) people of you know great intensity um and there will be breaks and and you know problems. The people who I am most have the most long lasting stable relationships are usually depressives because they like understand that side and they're very non judgmental. They also remain on one key most of the time. So I'm over here like and they're just like you know what I mean. And so it's like they un they have an understanding of the things that I have difficulty with but they're also not fighting the same fight as me, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys, uh, your guys' uh, dysfunction complements each other. It does, well. for sure. Whenever I meet someone who has like an eating disorder or <laughs> low-grade depression, uh, I'm like, what's up? We're about to fucking rock out. I'm going to talk <laughs> a lot. You're going to listen a lot. We're both going to be really dark. I'm going to be like, That's I want to kill myself. And they're going to be like, welcome to the club. <laughs> what did what did you find looking up? Uh, psycho cyclothymia. Oh, cyclothymia. I know it's high. Uh, cyclothymia. OK, so the symptoms, um, multiple periods of hypomanic episodes that do not meet the criteria for hypomanic. That doesn't make sense. Um, well, just what, what what is your understanding of it? Uh, let me, well, my understanding of it is it is, it is a, um, often never diagnosed, um, less version of bipolar version of bipolar. Yeah. Sometimes, Um, sometimes they call it bipolar three. Yes. Yes. Um, let's see. Let me see here. Cyclothymia, uh, also 
called psychothymic disorder is a rare disorder. Oh, rare. Like a diamond. Um, so you love that it's rare. You fucking love that it's course, rare. Of course, because I have ego. You know what I mean? That's another thing you see all over bipolar diagnosis is like ego maniacal grandioseness. And that's another yeah. one that I like hate to admit. But also I'm like, yeah, especially in those hypomanic phases, I feel very, I don't know. It's it's embarrassing to admit, but I do feel very grandiose. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I like to think that I've worked really hard on not having a ridiculous ego, but then I keep thinking I'm the Messiah, which is pretty <laughs> ego maniacal. You sure. Have be, you have to feel pretty damn good about yourself to uh, think that that's the case. Yes. Um, so Here, what do you me, got? So uh, cyclothymic causes emotional ups and downs, but they're not as extreme as those with bipolar one or two with cyclothymia. You, thymia, you experience periods where your mood noticeably shifts up and down from your baseline, you may feel on top of the world for a time, followed by a low period between the cyclo. So, so it's just saying, like, you also could feel normal. That's another thing, too, is that, like, this seems just like the regular moods of, of a normal person. But um, I, I think the manic highs are higher than perhaps. Like, that's why she kind of put me in the middle, because she goes, like, uh, I wouldn't strictly say your cyclothymic because there's things also an attraction to like risk taking especially around sex is a big one um. <laughs> 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 yeah so so yeah I, I yeah I'm kind of like a little I'm like a mix I'm a mutt yeah well mm -hmm. what I think is that so that does that does that diagnosis and that explanation does that it, it resonates with you it seems to make sense highly yes so what i think is and i i say this without framing it in a totally glorified way uh, different uh mental health issues and mental illness but i really do and i have said this before on the podcast i think that uh, consciousness is constantly evolving while we're on this plane of existence. And I think that evolution uh, is not smooth sailing. I think that it's jagged and raw and uh, and upsetting and insane and mm -hmm. complicated mm -hmm. uh, throughout history in the physical realm. So why should that be any different in the psychological realm? So I think that we're all, not all of us, some of us you can see are just really remaining quite dormant, but a lot of us... <laughs> are going through different shit and are evolving consciously for whatever that means, whether that means more empathy, more compassion, more mm -hmm. connectivity of life, different value set, less tribalism, uh, you know, whatever it means, more becoming more humanistic. I don't know. Um, however you want to define it, it's, it's, not, it's not smooth sailing. So mm -hmm. I think what a lot of folks are going through, and if we frame it through that lens, it doesn't just mean like, oh, well, I'm just evolving more than you are because I'm mentally ill. Um, <laughs> we're the messiahs. That sounds, exactly, we're all the messiahs. Uh, uh, although that being said, I mean, a messiah is just a messenger, someone who like teaches somebody something. Mm -hmm. So I think collectively, maybe we all are the messiah. We just <laughs> need to realize that. I don't know, whatever. But what I'm saying is that 
if we are evolving and evolution is not smooth sailing, that's a better frame to look at things at than just, oh, you're broken, you have chronic mental illness, you are the other that is mm-hmm. this piece of shit thing compared to this person who is normal, who doesn't have messed up brain chemistry. Meanwhile, this person who's normal might be a terrible, terrible <laughs> human being. Sure, sure, so sure. how is that not a, a mental illness? Yeah. Um, so that's how I feel about it. Also, I miss stand-up comedy so much. It's fucking God. terrible. I don't know if people realize, you psychos living at home, like a percentage of my existence feels like it's lying dormant. Yeah. Like, I miss it. And me and Andrew were talking about this on a phone call the other week. So I thought we could just say, like, there is something, it is one of my first loves. Is it one of my, well, is yeah, it is. It's one, something I love the most in the world mm-hmm. is, is getting to do stand-up comedy and having that uh, be taken away just fucking sucks but doesn't it feel good to like do stand-up comedy it's the best (laughs) i mean i think there i think it has um a healing aspect to it in terms of like we were talking about routine being really important like i was out doing stand-up every night um it also tired me out like i was like traveling around i was talking i was like very very active engaged mentally like one of my favorite things about comedy beyond the act of stand-up is talking to other comedians. Like I always can find a very, I'm not always, but a lot of the time can find a very engaging conversation that, you know, uh, maybe shifts my perspective or whatever. It's just, it's just like there's, there's, um, on a, a removal of like the social, uh, norms, I guess, when you're talking to a comic, you kind of get down to the, the nitty gritty very quickly um and it can get quite raw and quite intense so I feel like there was a cathart like I felt understood um by other comedians I felt there's a a catharsis in our conversations all the time I was you know able to sort of buzz around New York City um until late at night and by the time I got home I could sleep I I was like oh okay I have expelled all this energy I have an, an inordinate amount of energy you know um and I could also, especially when I was starting stand-up as a younger person, I used to scream a lot more than I do now. I still am screaming, um, you know, because I had a lot of anger. And um, uh, and my friend David was like, yeah, when I saw you performing, like when you started, I thought you were like a legitimately insane person. And I was like, I kind of, I mean, I was. I was also like working and functioning in society, but... Um, I think that it's always been a way for me to release things and discuss things, have perspective on my feelings or the world or what's happening. Um, it's how I process. So along with, you know, my livelihood, it's also how I process the world. And then just, it's just gone. All my friends are gone. My moving through the world is gone. It sucks. It fucking sucks. Yeah, it does fucking suck because it's also it's just really fucking fun. Like it feels really good and really special to make a room full of of people laugh talking about what you want to talk about. And if it has any sort of cathartic um, 
if it has any sort of cathartic mechanism for the audience, that's such a wonderful, beautiful thing. Yes. And it's very cathartic for the performer. And it's like there's this like social compact there where it's like, OK, the comedian's job is to pay attention to all this shit going on in the world or whatever your thing is mm -hmm. that you're paying attention to. Figure out how to turn that into something funny, present that to people so other people can maybe feel less alone about it or just find something funny to laugh about to yeah. just diffuse some tension in their life, you know, and and then. Th what you get back is that laughter, which is that validation, and that's the beautiful social compact. So when that's kind of taken away from the comedian, there still is that that hunger and that desire every day, uh, and it's just not being fulfilled. It's like you said, it's like it's part of it's important for people with bipolar disorder to have a routine and performing every night is part of that routine. And I mean, the stand up act is called your routine. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Which I think is so interesting to think about it like that, where it is this thing for comedians. Uh, especially comedians in New York who can perform multiple times in the same night. Mm -hmm. Some shows more quality than others, but can still get up and still do that routine yeah. and have that routine in their life. Having that pulled away, it just, it really, really fucking sucks. And you can, we try to do these Zoom shows and it's better than nothing. But for me, that really feels like, like a methadone clinic situation yes. for a comedian, yes. you know? Yeah. It's also like, um, like you mentioned, like noticing, I mean, all comedians, not just bipolar people, but, you know, the skill set is to like notice something. What's the deal? You know what I mean? Like that's a big part of of what we do is like pointing out the ridiculousness or or making observations about even the mundane. Like um, and like back to sort of being a person who is sensitive or stimulated all the time and always taking in my environment and feeling affected by it. It feels like a purge to be able to take all that data and make it useful, you know, especially in a time like COVID where everything's insane, you know, like what a better, there is no better time to, to be talking about um, the world, but yet we can't. So it's paralyzing. Yeah. Yeah. It fucking sucks. Like mm -hmm. so I feel so grateful. Like some months ago, October, I got to do uh, outdoor shows in in Denver. Yeah. Well, no. You know what? The they had it done really well. It was like yeah, the audience shows were a savior in the summer for sure. Yeah, I mean, I did outdoor shows in New York. I did those mm -hmm. outdoor shows in Denver. Uh, one mm, indoor show in Ann Arbor, mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. it was, it was, it was just, it was just fucking glorious to get to release that. You know, yeah. and I fucking miss it. And I got a lot. Of, I got a lot to say. And OK, everybody listening at home, it's like stand up is super fun. But I mean, not always. I mean, when you're bombing, it really, it really does. Uh, yeah, suck. it has its lows. <laughs> Boy, does it ever. <laughs> but it wouldn't be so much fun if there wasn't that aspect to it. If you knew every time how it was going to go when you went sure. out there, you'd lose something. That's the thing that is crazy Addicted about stand up. No matter huh? A little bit, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I'll tell you, it does. Like, no matter how many times you've done the the the, the jokes and they've gone well, you never know what is going to happen uh, when you get on stage, uh, well, which is pretty amazing. Doesn't that like play into like risky behavior? You know, it's also an incredibly risky career as well because there's no certainty to any type of success. You travel a lot. You like bump into every type of personality. Like. My therapist was like, it's no accident that this is your career. You know, there's so many bipolar. I mean, comedy attracts a lot of different types of people, yeah, but there's mental illness. There's, you know, it's substance a whole abuse for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, no, it's totally reckless, ridiculous thing to yeah. do with your life. It's you great. Know? And success I'd have it is very. Way. Success is is challenging, and then there can be success for some amount of time, and then and then not, and then yeah. trying to like rebuild. You know what I mean? He says specifically about himself. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? You can, you know, you can be on TV for five years. You can be on international, uh, you know, Russian funded television for sure. half a decade to and name then, something. Yeah. And then, you know, and then find yourself, you know, enjoying the process of building a podcast and then find yourself about to go on tour and then a pandemic uh, slamming everything shut. You know? yeah. Per se, per se. Yeah. Just as uh, an example. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, for example, you could book an HBO TV series <laughs> <laughs> on March 10th, for example. And uh, unreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one's got a sting. Um, oh, boy. Um, but, uh, okay. So I miss stand up. You miss stand up. We Ugh. addressed it. We talked about it. Yeah. Oh, it's so much fun. Isn't it fun? It's so fucking fun. Even like doing well in the summer shows. At first I was really nervous to go back up on stage because so out of practice. Um, so not sharp. And also like, do I do material about COVID? Do I just do my A shit so I can do well and everyone can have fun? Um, you know, and also like, I didn't feel like making COVID jokes. I don't find it funny. I don't really have, I feel like we're still in the shit. So it's like a socially distanced, more like socially dicks. You know what I mean? Like, what am I going to fucking say? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, not that. (laughs) Sure. Of course not that. But like. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You have to be very, very clever to have some sort of like assessment of doing that stuff while it's happening in real time, you know? Yeah. Um. Can we, okay, so can we talk about how you were part of my rescue crew? Guys, Andrea really, really helped me, you know, get through this manic episode. Like, she was there. I've talked about it uh, to an extent, but it would be really interesting to hear from your perspective. But first, what I want to ask is, what what is it like, because you've been around me multiple manic episodes around mm-hmm. the years, uh, mm-hmm. over the years. What is it like, what am I like from your perspective when I'm manic compared to regular Johnny? Um, you are much more manipulative. Um, you are very tough. Like you're, you're intense. Um, and you can't really be stopped. You know, you're like, it's like your way or the stubborn, I guess. Um, intense in like a scary way. Um, still funny. You still have good zingers. <laughs> uh, what, what, tell him what I said to you. So oh. the night before, guys, the, was that that was the night before, right? Was that Cobra? Yeah, Club? I've been on to you for a while though, and I'll go. Okay. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, please do. So anyway, the night before, my friends needed to kind of like crash, like get to my house to like try to save me, mm-hmm. and then we'll talk about how gnarly that went down but it broke in the right way um mm-hmm. ultimately but the night before that i was supposed to meet at cobra club for some sort of meeting or something andrea showed up in my mind i was like she showed up kind of out of the blue or it's weird that she's there mm-hmm. um and then go ahead you go ahead well what so I, I, sh- I showed up because so uh, to backtrack your rescue squad is me max and alessandro uh, and you had emailed us previously 
you know, hey, this is my doctor's contact. If you guys see me being any sort of way that is concerning, like I give you permission to contact her and try to, you know, put me where I need to go in care. And this and this was months ago, right? If not, this was, was a while ago. It was the end of 2019, I think. Or maybe mid... Or I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, within the recent past. Um, what I'm trying to say is that's... It. Like anybody listening at home, if you have a similar situation to me, it's not a bad idea to do something like that. I know for me, it felt a little bit humbling, a little bit embarrassing, but I'm grateful that I did it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... It also gives those who care about you sort of the feeling that they have the authority to do something, you know, because in the past I've always been like, I don't know what I'm not sure. And like, is this my place or like, you know what I mean? It's 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 like a big it's a big step. And it's also very difficult to say to someone like you're insane you know what I mean like it feels condescending to be like you're insane and I know better than you and I'm putting you into a blah blah you know what I mean but but to have the permission from you to be like I trust your judgment to know when it's time to do something is is relieving because it gives you sort of and giving me access to the doctor gives me all the tools that I could have you know to help you um so I replied to the email thread obviously without you on it um and was like hey i'm been like seeing something it's sort of like we'd had some conversations on the phone where things were getting kind of intense um and i've been like i don't know i mean also covid is is a living nightmare um you know like my doctor said like bipolar people are dysregulated easily and now the whole <laughs> We're world falling by the wayside like crazy yeah like i, I like to think it's po- yes you're absolutely right like yeah. i like to think that it's possible if this shit didn't go down that i would have had enough tools in my bag that i may have not had this episode i don't i don't know oh but for anyway sure. go ahead. I, I think so Maybe. well yeah i mean that's what i said so i i talked on the phone with your doctor um and she was like literally every single one of my patients is falling apart like it's so isolating people who are mentally ill is is the worst possible you know concoction like we covered before like it takes away all of our tools you know um and so so she's just like i'm scared to pick up the phone because i am worried about like what i'm gonna hear next what's gonna happen to my patients so but she was lovely enough to you know help me along the way she gave me her cell phone like she was very she went like above and beyond um which was really wonderful. But so I kind of, I noticed that you were skewing a little bit again. Like I've been in these manic episodes with you before. So the language becomes very grandiose. There's all these books. There's always fucking books. Anytime I see you with a bag of books, I'm like, fuck. Um, I can be allowed to read books. Like I have books right now. I've been reading. I know John, but like, when you're talking but if i have a bag of books that's fair it's a bag of if there's a bag of books and you like don't know where your wallet is and you're talking at like 10,000 miles per hour um you know that's fair in this very very like conspiratorial end of the world type sort of that narrative you also talk about the ira a lot you talk about irish stuff 
Irish stuff is a big red flag. <laughs> I do, I do. Max, who is also part of the rescue crew, was saying like, John, you're scaring me with this Irish stuff. Yes. You know? I don't know why. Oh, I do know why. I think I, I'm Irish-American, right? So Irish-Americans mm-hmm. have this glorification of Ireland and sure. Irish history. And, you know, you're Irish-American. You're Irish-Canadian. You know what I mean? I'm so Scottish. You, you, get out, oh, you're get Scottish. out of my nuts. And you Are you Scotch-Irish? You're Scotch-Irish. Yes, yeah. Whatever, whatever. So, okay. So, anyway, like, I'm Irish. My last name's O'Donnell. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the O'Donnells were the last kings and queens to leave Ireland oh, during you the flight of the Earls in, in the year 1092 or something like that. You're just waiting for that crown, John. You really are. Um, it's so fucked up. It's so fucked up. But, anyway, I don't know why. I have this total weird glorification of Ireland, of a glorification of the IRA, the Irish Republican Army. It's bizarre. Yes. And it really does crop up. And it makes me think like, oh, all along I've been some secret agent working for the IRA that's so secret that I didn't even know it was the case. <laughs> it's it's Irish stuff. It's books and rapid talking. It's conspiratorial stuff. I at the near the very end, some goofy grapes started going up online. Um, and then because there, there is this goofy grapes thing that has to do with cryptocurrency mm-hmm. and there is this weird goofy grapes like there's like the grape emoji and the cherry emoji. That's when things are really we're really into yes, uh, we're in insanity territory. You there. also were um, donating money, large amounts of money to like political groups, which I knew from your past was something that you had done um, and posting a lot online. And then Sinead O'Connor is always in the fucking mix. <laughs> no, that was just this time around. She has not been in past ones. She really manifested this time around. Don't you think? Well, I don't think maybe. Sinead O'Connor I don't know. was in that I don't know. One. But yeah, but basically, I thought, and I've talked about this a little bit, I thought that me and Sinead were working together in some mm-hmm. sort of metaphysical capacity mm-hmm. in order to take down some of these global techno-fascist entities that are trying to hurt us and trying to usher in their version of reality for all of us using the pandemic as a pretense to scare the shit out of us in order to do it. Sure. Now, now. That's kind of funny after the fact. Of course, it's all funny. Um, but so so I saw these warning signs. I also, so there are two things that kind of tipped me off. So I ran into a mutual friend who doesn't know you or has never known you in a manic episode and was communicating with you. And I said like, hey, have you noticed something a little intense or off? And then he was like, yeah, actually, it's. I'm glad you brought that up because I wasn't sure and blah, blah, blah. And so I went, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And then another friend of mine said that you had like texted him. I'm a spy. I work for the IRA. Um, and, <laughs> the IRA, uh, the uh, the Irish Republican Army of knowing what who <laughs> JFOD has been interacting with. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I'm a super sleuth. Watch out for me. And then um, uh, another friend of ours mentioned that you'd asked to smoke weed with him, and that was one of the like that's one of your big tells is that you often want to smoke weed when you're having a manic episode because I had heard from you. I also heard that you were drinking, but I had heard from you in the past. Like if I'm, I'm ever, I can't be drinking. I can't be smoking weed. You know what I mean? Like I've heard that from sober lucid John. So when you start doing those things and then you're kind of like, so I, so I was like, all right, I have all this information. I emailed everyone and everyone was like, okay, what do we do? Blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, Max, another secret agent who was working by my side, was like, I'm meeting with John at a bar tonight. Let's, why don't you come by and we can like assess 
if this is where it is slash if it is like where are we in this how manic is he like what's the level of you know emergency and I come in and of course yes you're surprised to see me I was not invited so you know and I kind of just have to be like yeah man just wanted to say hi you know what I mean like it's a very weird line to toe because I appear suspicious to you and you're suspicious of everybody and you have your set your agenda of things that you want to do now I'm actively trying to stop you um for your own health but it doesn't seem like that in your mind I'm like this fucking narc or this like (laughs) person who's trying to you know lead you into the hands of those who will hurt you. So I have to sort of have this very unassuming, like, Hey, I'm just here. What? I just show up places. And then, so you're like, totally. You're like, you're like, so you're like, Hey, what's up? Uh, so, uh, you're it's a nice you're, bag of books drinking, you got huh? there. <laughs> I didn't have any books. You, you had pamphlets. You had a pamphlet that I, had I, a pamphlet. That I stole. Um, <laughs> You didn't have a pamphlet. Uh, I think actually Max took it. It was some sort of like, some sort of like, check out this social bonds pamphlet. And I was just like, yo. Oh, no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Uh He did take that. Yes. It was about social impact investing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it is about human uh, capital markets. Sure. So I see the pamphlet. But he gave it back to me. Sure. And uh, again, in, in another time, seeing you reading something like that wouldn't be bizarre. But it was like pamphlet. You were drinking shots of wine, which is hilarious. Um, that is what everybody else was drinking. That was like the thing they were doing. That wasn't my own. That was like the cool thing happening it at is, Cobra Club. It is funny, though. And I was like, I was like, oh, shots of wine. And I was like, hey, John, should you be doing that? And then you came back at me with like, well, some of us don't have the particular gene for alcohol is some sort of um, Anthony Jeselnik joke. No, I I said to you something really biting. Mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, well, Andrew, we don't all have the alcoholism gene like you do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Rude as fuck. Yes, you're so mean. I'm sorry. It's fine. The thing is, like. And, and Max made this observation is that like Max and Alessandro don't take your meanness personally. They don't really take anything you do personally when they're dealing with you in that state, but there are chinks in my armor and you know it. I mean, you push my buttons regularly. So when you're manic and you're mean, you do hurt my feelings, even though I know like, you know what I mean? I'm like, don't let him get under your skin, but it's hard. Well, let me say that I'm really sorry. I'm really, 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 truly sorry about that. That's okay. It's fine. I know it's. I know that it's not you as I know and love, but I am like this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Also, you push my buttons in a day, day in our interactions just as much as I push sure. yours, if sure. not fucking more. So, uh, so, well, fuck you. Maybe, maybe it's equal. I don't know. <laughs> well, fuck but you, John. Anyway. So I'm you, sorry. it's okay. Apology accepted. I'm the best. You're the worst. Okay. So then, um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. All right. So, so then what happened? So then, so then <laughs> I kind of was like, Hey, so like, are you smoking weed? Like, again, I'm trying to be this like detective, but also like, Hey, I'm just here. What? You know, I just show up at bars and ask you questions about your substance <laughs> use. Why are you being Smooth weird? Smooth operator. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And, and then you, what did I say? You said, I have an ever-evolving relationship with marijuana. And I was like, oh, do you? Okay. <laughs> what a bizarre thing to say. Yeah, yeah. You very, you kind of like rolled your eyes back and you were very fluid with the hands. And, you know, you were very like, you wouldn't understand. And I was like, okay. <laughs> it's very weird, man. Like my brain just craves these things. Like it just craves booze and weed and it's just is like putting like uh fuel on the fire yeah. and it's also there's a frustration to it and i know you feel this frustration too it's like well i have fuck. a particular set of genes so you know ah. what i mean like i can't i i've been feeling that frustration for a long time but but um but yeah but it is frustrating mm-hmm. it's just it's very frustrating you know it's also infantilizing it's like, to be like i can't do the things that other people do you know because then i'll lose yeah. control and that's and it's just crazy. Yeah, you're right. And it's just crazy to me. It's like I am grateful for it. And it is. And I know it's fine. But it's like, fuck, I need like a rescue team that's in place. And they actually had to like swoop into action because mm. I lose my shit. It sucks, dude. It fucking sucks. Yeah, but you know? better, better that than not doing anything. You know what I mean? Like if that's a, and I understand that, you know, and I like I said, you know, my low outbursts are very embarrassing and, and I have had people who've had to like talk me down and that doesn't feel good as an adult. But, you know, I feel like if we have those that understand us around us, it's better to have them be in the loop, you know, even though it feels shitty, you know. Absolutely. Limiting. Okay. So that night happens at Cobra. Yes. I'm pretty sure your guy's assessment is, okay, John is spinning out you know what's so funny yeah me and max were like yes code level midnight your friend eric birdstrom who also happened to be there was like he's fine (laughs) i'm like well you're not i didn't invite you to this party you're not a reliable narrator (laughs) eric is a dear friend but i'd say both eric and i we our assessment of each other may not be the most reliable narrator sure sure and i adore eric but it was so it was so funny. He was like, he just seems, you know, the usual. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, this is not the usual. Um, and like Eric, t- to his credit, when I was telling him, it's OK if I smoke weed. And I was trying to tell him to stop drinking Red Bull because it's poison. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, he's like, I'll make a deal with you. He's like, I'll stop drinking Red Bull if you'll stop smoking. Yeah, weed, he which was. Is- yeah. Such a nice thing for Eric because addicted to Red Bull as he is to try to do, you know. Sure. But I was like, why would I stop doing something that helps me for you to stop doing something that hurts you? He's yes. like, I don't know if it helps you. you know? He's God being surrounded by you and Eric and Max. Actually, all of us, the whole group of people is just such a whack pack of energy. You know what I mean? That it's like, how is it contained There's a lot of talent there. One space? A lot of talent there, too. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's and also. Oh my God! We'd say something, and it you'd you'd go, oh my God, uh, not with that attitude. So I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like John, something maybe about masks or like drinking or whatever, and you'd be like, not with that attitude, not with that attitude. And then you'd like go back to your books, and I'd be like, fuck. Well, I will tell you, as normal John, I've gotten a lot of mileage conversationally out of that turn a phrase mm-hmm. not with that attitude like yeah. that works it it's very work. funny yeah it's very funny to have like a long like especially even if you're having like a real actual debate about something with somebody and they say some like long point or whatever and then you just say 
well, not with that attitude. Yes, <laughs> it great. really is it's an great. awesome way it's like, it to was... make them laugh or diffuse tension. So all you psychos listening, just throw not with that attitude at the end of <laughs> at, at the end of an argument and uh, something it's, positive. Something will happen. It's funny. And all and also it's like, you motherfucker, <laughs> I want to take care of you right now. And you're fucking throwing not with that attitude at me. And I'm like, oh, mm. it takes a lot of control for me not to get angry with you because I'm like, because I'm like, let me help you. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so so another uh, this is sort of a divergent but there's another turn of phrase which i learned that i like a lot tim dylan uses it he goes yes or yes like he's like why don't we do this yes or yes and i feel like it has a similar quality <laughs> that's and good that's a good. similar like you know uh bullheadedness to it um a good so, irish one is uh fair enough sure. that's very irish yes so instead if let's say you don't agree with somebody but you really don't have the energy to explain to them or delve into why you don't agree with their nonsense. You can just say fair enough. Yeah. And move on. I love that. I mean, Tim Dillon is also Irish. So, you know, there you go. Um, so, so the assessment was made by me and Max and you were being edgy around me. You were not pleased about my presence. Um, as, I thought we were supposed to have a meeting of trying to figure out how to do oh, yes, also, winterized oh live from outer space shows at Cobra Club. Like I'm For sure. you psychos listening at home, that's where uh, I've had a stand-up show with my friends for seven years. But go yes. ahead. And that's another thing is that like I came in hot with like, what are you doing, huh? You drinking? What are you fucking doing? What's that book, huh? Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> and then I was like, can I talk to you outside for a minute? And you're like... I'm at a business meeting and you show up just asking to talk. No, I don't want to go outside and talk to you. Like you were very, very like this bitch is interrupting my business. <laughs> not with that attitude. Awkward. Not with that attitude. Not with that attitude. I'm like, oh, yeah. Not with that attitude. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So then what? So then I, I email the group. Alessandro was not at Cobra club, but we had let him know that we were going there to like check things out. And I'm like, we need to, do something about this, um, you know, but what's tough about it is, and I, I had had conversations with your doctor is that like, I know you're manic. She knows you're manic. She'd had convers. She tried to have a phone call with you or had a phone call with you, but then never received a call back. So like she, we're all very aware that you're not in a good state, but we cannot just commit you, um, because of the laws. So, you know, you're not a quote unquote danger to yourself and others, but there's this fear of like, you know, cause you've been incarcerated before because of this. And I'm like, it's the middle of fucking COVID. I don't want John to get agitated by something and then, you know, or, or do something because he's manic and believes there's something else going on and then get thrown in jail or whatever. Like it feels heightened by the pandemic and the urgency feels higher, but we don't have these, we don't have any rights really to, to get you to a hospital. Um, so the unless I want to go and in that mental state, I would not want to go. So it a, gets really tricky. Not a fucking chance. Not <laughs> a fucking chance. But like, we have to do something. So we're like, okay, well maybe he'll listen to his doctor. Like let's basically, we told the doctor, like me, us three who are like his closest or very close friends, um, you know, are going to go in there kind of like treat it like a hangout. And then maybe, sort of bring up in a non-threatening way like you, you talking to your doctor 
Um, You're talking about at my apartment the next day? Yes. So we so we met at the Court Square Diner near the apartment. And we're like, how are we doing this? What are we doing? You know, it's it's like going into <sighs> being with you when you're like that is especially in that space where there's like books everywhere and, you know, Celtic flags and, you know, it's a all my T-shirts were out on top of the TV. Right. Like it's this very it's like a manic den. So you're going into it and there's this like intense is psychic energy the word? I don't know. There's a there's an, a level. I believe psycho is the word. Sure. Psycho energy. <laughs> sure. I don't know, but it feels palpable. It feels palpable. The amount of energy you're exerting, and and the place looks insane, Bizarro. bizarre. And it's like it takes a lot to sustain calmness in a completely insane situation. Fair um, enough. I remember there's a couple of things I was doing like weird. Like, alchemy, like alchemy experiments, right? Mm-hmm. Where like I had my um, I had the this uh, this biography of uh, of Woody Guthrie like mm-hmm. on the table, and I know that Woody Guthrie also had uh, manic depression, bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. So like I had this thing where I was like, I put a bunch of like lithium pills like on the picture of him on the cover, yes. like on his like brain like on mm-hmm. his brain mm-hmm. and then i i put like some like a joint like outside of his mouth and like some tobacco <laughs> but then i also had it so like if he was like looking down he could see through this mirror i had and then then at the bottom of that was this like silver dollar of mark twain that i had oh God, i was doing like dollar. weird yeah. shit in there uh for some reason number one and i also remember i kind of like was almost like trying to like barricade myself into place with with like a bunch of like information and like yes and like books and, and i had all fucking, of these like it was fucking uh what's the movie about um about the genius guy he writes all over the walls beautiful it was a fucking beautiful mind situation in there where <laughs> going it was like, on something was there was going on. information on every surface and it was just like oh fuck now, also that particular night, and I feel so bad, and I've I've I reached out to her once, but it wasn't able to connect, and then I've been avoiding it because I'm so embarrassed. My really good friend Skylar, who is in this human rights graduate program, mm-hmm. like uh, she set up this thing where I was supposed to do Zoom comedy for mm-hmm. her like human rights graduate group of yeah. students or something like that. That particular night, and it just did not happen. Well, and like you when were... you guys got there, I was trying to like set it up or something like that. And it was just all in all it was a total fucking disaster. Well, it's like so you... fucking shitty. I mean, it's not your fault. You had the I best know, of intentions, I but Ugh. I saw you like trying to do a podcast and I was just like, no, this is not like me. And actually Max Bruno, Max Bruno has this like resting, mothering and fathering energy to him that is very helpful because it's like. Each of us sort of had our, I was kind of like the director of like what's of the steps that we were going to take, um, but I can't interface as much with you because I let you get in, I let you get in too much and I get upset, um, but Max is very like, he was a teacher, so you can see that in the way that he behaves. It's just very like, okay, that's interesting, why don't we do, you know what I mean? He's, he's. You know, Alessandro's just sitting in the corner quietly, like watching this whole thing go down. Um, 
kind of just like helping where he feels needed. So we kind of all had like a very, we had to have a very connected energy uh, as a group of like, we went in there and I was like, okay, this is clearly bad. You know, there's the Irish stuff. There's the shit on the wall, the biographies. Also you created a shrine for Roseanne Barr. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is what it, go ahead, go ahead. You were like basically being like, this instead of doing like a writing packet, I like made this shrine and I'm gonna send it to her and she's gonna like understand what I mean by I don't know. There was like PBR stuff. It was no, there wasn't PBR stuff. It was just red, white, and blue stuff. Like I found this picture, this like movie like pic photo like still from mm-hmm. her in the movie She Devil at this thrift shop called Just Things, right? And I put it up on like the bathroom wall. And initially, I was gonna make this sort of thing. It was like a shrine to like a joking sort of shrine to when she told our, my, our good friend Ben Kronberg to go fuck himself. Yes. Um, and I was going to make some sort of thing with that because then he had people make a meme of it and I was going to do that. I thought that would be like a funny artistic thing to do. Then I'm spinning out and getting kind of even crazier and I'm like, oh, let's do this thing. I just listened to Roseanne on Mike Tyson's podcast and they oh, both boy. sounded super interesting. Sure. Uh, so I'm going to make this thing where like Roseanne should run for president for 2024 and I'll be her campaign manager. So I'm just going to make this funny, weird thing and send it to her. Super weird, super manic, bizarro thinking. Um, But that was on the wall. Yeah. Here's the thing. It's like everything kind of has a point to it, like a a strain. uh, Sorry. Like, you know, uh, some logic string. string. Thank you. A string of logic to a point. And then it's completely batshit. Like, yeah, exactly. And so it's like you start to, and you're like, okay, that's, and here we go. And okay, you know, and and so, and so the conversations with you, you also are speaking very quickly um, and you're very agitated and your face also contorts a lot, um, which was my face contorts. Your face contorts. Yeah. That's the most, the most fright was the most frightening and is the most frightening because it looks like you're in pain. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like it looks it's it's like seeing your friend sick. You know what I mean? Your face contorts. You scream. You there was a lot of like I'm not sick. I'm not sick. Like a lot of screaming and fighting us. Um, crying. Um, you know. And it's like it's not. You know. The whole thing is like I'm not upset with you. I'm upset at how in much pain or in, you know, how much this is like taking over you and your life, you know, you're upset um, of the situation cause it's heavy. Yeah. It's gotta yeah. be emotionally heavy, you know, yeah. and, and it affects different people differently and it's gotta be a lot. Like for example, like, you know, me and Eric are very close, but he even said, cause he was around me acutely during one of these episodes and he was there for me. Uh, and he said though, he's like, look, he's like in the future, he goes, because of my own shit that I'm going through. He's like, I don't know if I'm the best candidate to be around during yeah. that. You know what I mean? At least acutely. And that's just, it's okay. It doesn't mean that he cares about me less or anything like that. And I'm sorry that it's, that it's trying on you. It's uh, it's a fucked up, it's a fucked up thing. It's a fucked up mentality to be in. And there's that lack of, uh, self-awareness when I'm in it is like it's it's super super troubling but all right let's come on let's well, forge the forward so then is also the frustration is also like I know sober lucid John who is my lovely friend 
who work so hard to stay healthy and I feel this like frustration for you, you know, that like this is not you, but I know I have to, I know that like I can't, I know I can't trust you during this time to make decisions that are good for you. Um, so it's, it's a difficult line to toe. And I also think it's like, oh, I'm also bipolar too. So I think I understand, like, because of where I sit, I think that like, I understand you on a deep level, but I also understand like sometimes I have fun with you when you're this manic too, because I'm like kind of like, hey, ha, oh yeah, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> um, but I can't, yeah, yeah, I yeah. can't let it fully. I think that might be part of it. Is I also have a, I'm a deeply, despite being a total cunt, I am a deeply empathetic person, and so seeing other people, like I have this, like I said, I have these chinks in my armor that I get. It's like Max had to kind of move me sometimes or get me away from you. Um, cause I'm trying to take care of you in other certain ways. And it's like, no, we need to be stern and not emotional. And I have trouble doing that. Um, again, sensitive person. So, uh, so then well, look, thank you for being there, you know, honestly. And I'm so grateful for my friends and appreciative. Like, thank you for putting yourself outside of your comfort zone for me like that. Not with that attitude. <laughs> Oh, fair enough. <laughs> You're welcome. You, um, you. <laughs> we it had to. We had to. What are we gonna do? I Let know. you die in prison? Come on, from COVID <laughs> that you think isn't real. Um, so no, I think it's real. I just don't think we should let it have a small business genocide. Yes, I know. You know what I, I mean? understand. I understand what you're saying. No, I, I. I mean, I also know that when I, t when you sent that email, I could have opted out. You know, but I'm. I believe that you should. Do what you say, and you know, your oh your yeah, friends. you you, opt, you opted into the worst newsletter ever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I think like that's what that's what friends are for, and you've also helped me a great deal in my life. So it's not I don't view it as a burden. Um, it's just like it's just normal, you know. Within normal life, a lot of people don't interact with something of this level. You have. To, I also have had experiences with you before, and again in comedy, you have experiences with like a myriad of mental illnesses. So I think like it is a bit different for people like me or Max or Alessandra who understand it and are not afraid of it. Like I don't. F I wasn't afraid of you at any point. I didn't. Even when we were fighting, we'll get to that. I wasn't ever like. John's going to hurt me. John's a dangerous person. I just was like, John's sick and it, we need to get him help. So, so we come into this. Yeah. Fucking yeah. All of this, all of this incentivizes me even further to do everything that I can to stay well. So I don't have to put my friends in, in that situation, you know, but go ahead. Sure. Well, I mean, and also again, to go back to what your doctor said is that just like everyone, you know what I mean? It's like, this is an extraordinary situation where, you know, everyone is faltering John Mulaney's back in rehab like we are out here fucking freaking out with just cause um yeah so I wouldn't be so hard on yourself about about it um but so so anyway so we go into this fucking Sinead O'Connor Rosie O'Donnell very feminist of you actually um and yeah. um you know we kind of just like the thing is we have we can't hit you with the doctor shit right away First, we have to be like, we're here to hang out. You'd guacamole out, by the way, that was like kind of gone bad. And you're like, no, I that was new guacamole. <laughs> and that was for you guys. 
That was for you. Sure. Did I know you guys were coming over or do you just randomly buzz? So Max had said, I'm going to come over with my girlfriend. Um, But secretly, the squad was deploying. Um, And again, it's like, I wonder what you think about me in your, I obviously know you can't access this point of this frame of reference, but it's like, why is Andrea just everywhere now? You know what I mean? Like Andrea shows up at Cobra Club. Andrea's in my apartment. (laughs) Who knows what I was thinking was going on? Um, so we kind of just go like, oh, what's you're like, I'm recording a podcast. And I'm like, no, you're not. Um, and then. No, I said I was doing a live Zoom stand up show. Mm-hmm. I was and I was to like, doing. no, you're not. Um, and then Max kind of like picks up your computer. You know, there's kind of just this like slow burn of like talking to you and f- hanging out for a bit and trying to like keep you calm and like trusting of us. And then. You know, for a while you were jumping up and down off the bathtub um, and smoking cigarettes in the bathroom. Uh, I think I was scared. I think I was legitimately. Was that when I was legitimately scared that like these people were trying to hurt me? Yeah. Like I I was like the whole time. Um, What? I think you were scared the whole time. I was. Okay, so by the time you guys got there, I was in like a parent. I remember I was in a paranoid state of mind where I really thought some of these big global entities were had some sort of ability that they were going to be able to remotely snuff me out or something like that and I was really like annoyed by it and I was kind of scared yeah sure and I could sense that in you that's why we were like we're like let's take it slow because clearly because I know what you've thought in past I know how you work in these things so I'm like I don't want to appear as a threat in any way or be and also you're much more agitated than usual so it's like I don't want to in any way seem like I'm convincing you to go somewhere you don't want to go uh, you're also again incredibly manipulative so you know I mean you think you think you're manipulating us and I'm like motherfucker I'm manipulating you um, <laughs> what do you mean you just like ha- I mean you you're tr- again we'll come to this but you tried to escape at one point um, you kind of well, like yeah. you have this like you'll go into like a semi lucid seeming state and I don't even know if it is lucid. It feels lucid when when you're kind of like you acknowledge, like there are time periods where you acknowledged how crazy the place looked, or kind of like like when we were talking to the doctor, you were like, okay, I'll go get my like blood taken to check my level. Like you kind of like seem like you're, for lack of a better word, playing the game with us to placate us. But I know ultimately, it seems like ultimately you're trying to placate us enough to get us to like go away. Or, you know, uh, not try to push you towards anything. Like, there's this fine balance because you don't want to be told what to do as of, like, suggesting things. And then kind of, like, you know, for a while it was like, all right, you want to smoke cigarettes and do a bridge in the bathtub? We'll do that. (laughs) Um, I'll play music. I tried to play music to, like, calm you down. Um, And, like, you know... And then eventually we were like, let's talk to your doctor. And you weren't adverse to that. I mean, I think you, I don't know. I, I, I can't speak to your state of mind, but I think you kind of were like, all right, well, I'll talk to the doctor, like get them off my back. It seems to be the idea. Huh. I'm not sure if it was get them off my back, but I just didn't feel like that was like, for whatever reason, I didn't feel like that was a threatening thing. Like I figured I could talk to my doctor 
and sort of like just be like, yeah, I'm fine. You know, I got I got to right. need to be hospitalized. Yeah. Like, I think it was as long as there was the option on the table to avoid hospitalization, which is what she was trying to do. Yeah. Um, then I think that that I was like. I was like, okay, that's fine. So there was the idea of there were two things going on with me, wanting to avoid hospitalization mm -hmm. and also being really paranoid that I was somehow remotely going to be murdered. Yes. Uh, in some sort of metaphysical capacity. Sure. Um, you know what I mean? So that was, Not I think, the opposing attitude. forces. Well, with that attitude. But uh, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. um, so I think the thing that I did that I remember when – can you just can you describe what it was like to have the doctor be on one cell phone and then oh my, my and my my sister down in Florida who really did not know the specifics of what was going on oh on God. the other your and sister then was like fucking it up and all the because well, she didn't know she didn't I know, know I know I know there there were several moments throughout this episode where it was like I'm gonna take a snapshot of this because this is batshit you know what I mean like when you, when you <laughs> When you were jumping off the tub and I was holding you up and you were smoking a cigarette, I was like, that's bad shit. You showing me the Roseanne <laughs> thing, I'm like, that's bad shit. This <laughs> was another, uh, no offense, the bat shittest of bat shit was. Well, what about when those two potatoes were in like the corner in that bowl? There were like two <laughs> potatoes in the corner in the bowl behind the TV <sighs> that somehow had something to do with Sinead O'Connor in oh Ireland or something well, like everything that. Everything symbolism. Back. And you kept, you also kept nagging us for like not being well read enough. Um, <laughs> like, you fucking dick. Um, so but the bat shittiest thing was this was, was not the, the bat dueling cell this, phones. This was um it was in the hall of fame for the night for sure. Um, so we got you to talk to your doctor, and you were kind of starting to like again like there was she's a wonderful woman, um, and she knows where you're at, so she's being very like you know matter of fact and calm with you. And basically is trying to, again, we wanted to get you hospitalized. That's what she also wanted. But she knows that you're not going to go willingly. So, like, there has to be some sort of – she's trying to make a deal with you, basically. Um, and so the idea is that, like – so she's like, I need to see your levels. Can you basically, like, give blood and I'll look at your levels? And can you – are you open to the idea of taking, like, uh, like I guess an antipsychotic, something to, like, take you down – um, a notch from where you were and Klonopin to calm you down. Um, so you were kind of about that a little bit, but then you were like, I'm going to visit my sister in Florida. And we were all like, no, you're not. Um, yeah, yeah. Not with a couple that attitude. That <laughs> stop it. I can't stop. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> it's good, right? But uh, you're using it wrong. I but, know. Uh, I the, just uh, like throw it at the end of every. <laughs> it's a good one, but you can't overuse it like that. But uh, so the, um, the medication she was going to put me on is something called Respiridol, which is uh, can be particularly can be a sedating uh, medication for sure that I knew I didn't want to be on. But I was like, oh, yeah, that'll be fine. And then because of she was worried because I was drinking and sometimes there can be anxiety associated with with uh, with then not drinking after having been drinking on lithium that she uh, prescribed uh, uh, some generic of clonopin, uh, which yeah. is an anti-anxiety, mm -hmm. which we will then get to uh, how that plays into things. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but that's what's kind of really sucks is that I, <laughs> if I was like my regular self watching how manic I was that night, mm -hmm. I would have been like, yeah, 
Get me to the fucking hospital. Let well, me spend a week in the fucking hospital. Like, you know what I mean? Get me to for us because I know lucid you would be like, you're doing the right, right thing. Like get me to a hospital. And I know that that's what you had asked us to do, but we're not dealing with lucid you. So it's like, we're dealing yes. with this demon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, because in that mindset, I'd be like, there's no way, you know what I mean? There's no way that I want to go to, you know, to these, I would want to go to NYU Langone Hospital or Mount Sinai. Yeah. There's something, there's some good hospitals in New York, you know, and obviously it's not ideal and it's not like the places are fucking awesome. They're fucking psych wards. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's not, it's not a fucking party on, you know, it's not a mm-hmm. fucking party van, but, uh, but that was not happening. It's not um, a party van. You're saying the psych ward <laughs> is not a party van. For the record, I'm going on the record and saying that the psych ward is not like a party van. <laughs> Uh, well, that's but, good to know, because I was always wondering. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you're just uh, between bipolar two but sure. and bipolar three. So you're probably never going to know. Yeah. You know? I don't get to go yeah. in your party van. I'm too stable. Yeah, like I said, that is like van. a diss. Yeah, I know, yeah. right? I said that How is like a diss. You? you don't get to go to a psych ward. Yeah. Burn. <laughs> I gotcha. Okay. So anyway... I call my sister. Yes, Go ahead. so you call your sister because you're going to Florida, and we're all like, okay, John, sure, and I'm going to Iraq if we're all going to say things that aren't going to happen. Um, but basically, you... <laughs> I was actually planning a trip to Florida. Go, I go, know go you were. I know you were, but we knew you're not going to Florida. Yeah. I also know in past... So, again, your sister, lovely woman, she gets... You need to understand, she had no frame of reference Of course, of course, no, and on. I did know that, and I was like, oh, God, this is a nightmare. So, basically, you're explaining to the doctor you want to visit your sister in Florida, and the doctor is being like, John, if you get on a plane in this state, you're not going to be able... Like, you know, she kind of was doing the dueling, like, because you were like, I don't want to wear a mask, and she's like, well, everyone has to wear... You know what I mean? And then also, she was kind of tiptoeing around the fact, like, in your current state, you're not going to, like... and. We were also making references to times that you had tried to get on planes before when you were manic. Like there's there's this whole traveling well manic thing that you love to do. Um, you know, it's disastrous. Yes. So we are all like, you probably can't pull that off. And you're like, and, and so you were like, let me call my sister and you can tell her that I can't do it because I feel bad or whatever. Or like you were kind of, I don't know what the intention was <laughs> what? with the sister. But so then the sister, so now the doctor's on speakerphone and now your sister is on other speakerphone. So basically your sister is like receives this call with you sounding concerning and then another voice in the room, but it's via a speaker phone and then it's all of us. And it again, it's this fine line because it's like, I want to communicate to your sister that you're manic, but I can't say that's another thing. The doctor said to me, like, don't say bipolar. It's going to say, don't like say anything that's like labeling the state that he's in. Cause he's very agitated and you don't want to make him more agitated. So it's kind of this like dance where it's like John is in a mood if you know what I you know what I mean <laughs> uh, <laughs> but your sister is like bamboozled with this phone call and then this doctor's voice and whatever and you in your manipulative and very super sleuth way are like I'm fine you know what I mean like you're trying to convince her that you're fine like you're saying like doctor's not right or we're not right or he's fine and so she's like half kind of believing you, but also kind of hearing the voices in the room and being like, who's that? What's this? And I think she eventually, she, sorry, not eventually, she quickly caught wise to sort of like what was happening. Um, and then was like, John, do you remember what happened in Dublin, in Ireland? And like, was kind of like talking about these situations where you had manic before. 
And she was like, there's decisions that you made that like led to the, you know, she, she I, I believe that she's, I, I don't know exactly. It was kind of a blur, but she was basically saying like that she's had other family members that have dealt with, like she knows the way to talk and act in one of these situations and very like, oh, it's so great, John, that you have your friends here that are so loving, like trying to fl- frame it, which is what's happening, but also trying to like focus on the positive and trying to trying to convince you in her way to like maybe seek help without saying it directly. So Yeah, yeah. It was just a weird situation because she's my she's my stepsister, but I just call her my sister. But we haven't seen each other in a long time, but we've like reconnected we reconnected before I was manic and have since reconnected. You know what yeah. I mean? And so it's a sort of thing where she has frame of reference for stuff but not completely like she knows about it but hasn't really been around me very much for a long time or or when I've been like that you know what I mean and for just a little bit of a happy ending to that little chapter because she's she's married and has has two kids who are my nephews who I've I've only met one of them briefly when they were like a baby baby Mm -hmm. like I I am gonna go visit them and see them you know Mm -hmm. which I'm excited about to connect reconnect with with her you know but anyway it was just to me i even remember how bizarre it was that i was holding a phone on speakerphone of my sister talking to my psychiatrist who is a great psychiatrist by the way like uh uh on speakerphone Mm -hmm. as well and i just thought that was just like trying to convince her that i was normal (laughs) at one point you did scream during this call like i'm not sick i'm not sick and it was just like (laughs) Okay. I'm gonna say that's a telltale sign. I am sick. I am sick. Sure, but, uh, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh, okay, buddy. Um, so then, okay. So here we go. So Andrea, then it gets decided by the doctor that okay, we're gonna try to avoid a hospitalization. Well, because you probably couldn't get me to the hospital. Yeah, and, I knew we weren't so, going to. I knew it. So. so, so it was like, all right, now we're gonna try this other thing where. We get medication into John, this Respiridol, which can which can be this very strong antipsychotic. Mm-hmm. That's something that I I I did not I knew that I did not want to be on because mm-hmm. years ago I was on it for a brief period of time and I was like this is this makes me feel like shit. Um, but uh, personally, if if it helps other people, I think that I truly I deeply think that that is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't for for me, I did not enjoy it. Uh, but so it was the idea was like okay. Andrea, the angel that she is, <laughs> you find a 24-hour pharmacy mm-hmm. in, in Queens, yeah, uh, different part of Queens from where I am, uh, and then go ahead, go ahead. So then, what do you do? Well, you bike so there out a, there. Yeah, there was a period of calmness after like the decision that you would take meds, which me and Max have spoken about it. Like we were both like, he's not gonna take. You know what I mean? Like. We were like floating in this kind of like potential for it to work out. But also the idea was like the next day you had to go get give blood. And so that's why I was like, okay, I'll stay over and try to like force him to do that the next day. But in my mind, I'm like, this is a fine plan, I guess. But I really actually don't think like I don't I don't know that he's going to take these meds. I don't know that he's going to give blood. I don't know anything, but we're just going to try because that's our best course of action. So I jump on my city bike. I bike over to the CVS on Dittmar's. Shout out to the CVS on Dittmar's. Astoria. Um, so then I'm biking back and I just have a bad, you know, also when you're in these manic states, it's unpredictable. So we don't know what you're going to do. And I'm like, I just have a bad feeling about like, you know, this turn of events. And when I left, 
everyone was like cleaning and you kind of had this like again like seemingly lucid moment where like I don't know how it got to this and whatever and then we had a moment where I'm like I'm gonna go get those meds like you need to trust me and I'm like do you trust me like I'm trying to relate to you and be like hey it's me your friend who's like always been your friend so you know and you were like I do trust you so it was like like, okay maybe maybe if we approach it from that angle like you know I remember that I remember that moment of you saying do you trust me and I remember being like yes and really really believing that and feeling that I do remember that sure and and I I was like because I know that you do trust me, but then I also know that you might think that like there's other forces beyond me that are, that are working not to my knowledge, you know? So, but I was trying to appeal to like our relationship. I think that's something that I've learned through dealing with you is that like being like pointing out the things that are crazy seeming or bad or whatever is not the approach. The approach is like, I'm your friend and I've always been your friend. And like, here's the evidence throughout the years. So like, why would I have bad intentions for you? Um, so I, I'm biking back. Alessandro fell asleep, which is like, (laughs) honestly, shout out to him for having the, I mean, he was up super early and it was, but I'm like to, to fall asleep in such a heightened, insane environment is like, I would, I couldn't (laughs) sleep for hours. Um, but he fell asleep um max was cleaning and you were helping him clean and like there was kind of this sort of like peaceful progress being made when i left on my way back i text everyone like hey i'm you know coming back yeah where what's the buzzer or is something and then alessandra responds where is everybody and i'm like (laughs) what the fuck well i leave for 30 minutes and everyone's like what how Um, and then max texts john escaped and i'm chasing him like through some alleys or whatever and i was just like oh my god it's exactly i'm like i didn't want to leave because i knew i fucking knew you were gonna get out somehow well the only reason i got out was i was really scared that these these fuckers were gonna take me out and i know you're and then bizarrely we leave I, wherever I go and wherever corner I turn, I'm in this like backyard of mazes yes. of different like yes. random backyards and all of this stuff that I had no idea was there. You were and under I had, the like, building. Do you know that? You were under the building. I was under the building. Yes. And there's all sorts of like people's backyards and all sorts of windy, windy oh turns God. and alleys and all sorts of shit. And I remember I had like a coffee pot <laughs> and... And then I was like hiding underneath somebody, something or other. You I don't had know. you had a coffee pot and a tennis racket as your chosen weapons of defense. Yes, because downstairs in the basement, some people have like a whole bunch of stuff in the hallway because I guess mm-hmm. they're the only apartment on that floor. So I grabbed a tennis racket and I grabbed a pair of their boots, oh my God. a pair of their Timberland boots because I didn't have any shoes on from upstairs. My, my oh, really? Boots. Okay. And then I ended up keeping those boots and I had those boots like through the hospital and everything, got really? them back, had them in New Jersey. And then when I went back to New York to clean up Pat's place more and to get my stuff out of there, Pat's place is where I was staying, you guys, at the apartment. Mm-hmm. I ret- I very very like like very quietly returned <laughs> their boots to them. What do those people think? You know, it's okay. So that's another piece of this. <laughs> no that's idea. fucking hilarious. That's another piece of this puzzle is that Pat, whose place you're staying at, you were like calling him a little bit earlier on, and then y- I took your phone or something like that, 
And I just see that Pat keeps calling over and over again. So I eventually pick up the phone and I'm like, hey, this is John's friend, Andrea, and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know who he is. I have no idea. But, um, and he was like, oh, shit. Um, and he was like, I'm John's friend. He's staying at my place. And like, I'm so worried and blah, blah, blah. Like, is he okay? And then apparently you had texted the last two texts. Like, you texted him a bunch of goofy grapes. And then he, <laughs> a bunch of emojis. Yes, yeah. and he responds back, "No, Johnny, no." Because I think he's <laughs> realizing like what has happened, and he felt some guilt about like letting you stay at his place because he was like, "I didn't realize he was in that state." So now I'm like giving him a place in New York for him to like, you know, have the freedom to like fully lose his shit, you know. So he was worried about you the whole time, but it's like I'm trying to keep Pat abreast of the situation, but also at the same time, it's like I can't keep you and he's very anxious which i understand um lovely guy but it's like i can't keep you up to date all the time because it, it's happening like a hurricane you know um so yeah I you don't bad. have the bandwidth to do that and yeah. i feel i feel bad too because pat is such a dear friend and i really wanted to make it work in new york and i was excited to have like a creative space there and then when he was going to be back he was going to be back and forth from his parents' house, and I was excited about us collaborating on stuff. So I'm so disappointed in myself is how all that turned out. But me and him are totally cool. Everything's good. Yeah. I mean, I've been friends with him for like, I don't know, 15, 18 years or something like that. You know, yeah, he's he like a brother seem, to me. He didn't seem like ups. He was just like, oh, well, I'm so like worried about my friend and like, fuck, I didn't realize this was happening. So, so. So anyway, you, okay, so, so you I'm, come back. So I come back, John's MIA, he's running around tunnels, that's all I have, and like, you had been running Max around. Max was tracking me pretty well, though. Okay, Max was, again, shout out to Matt, Jesus Christ, Max is a tall guy, you're smaller than Max, and so he is like, hunched over a little bit more, running through these tunnels, like, just hearing you, like, running through, and he knows you have the tennis rack, and he knows you have the pot of coffee, and he's like, does John, is John going to turn a corner and just, like, fucking whale me with the tennis racket? Wait a second. These were not, like, you needed to hunch over alleyways. They were, like, I think, they were just, like, they were weird, like, side, ang side angle, like, not even what streets, a, okay, but it wasn't, like, can, Whatever they may be. Can you imagine the state of mind of like chasing you around where you had this tennis <laughs> racket and being like, I don't know how this is going to end. And was the coffee hot or who knows? I hope it I, was. The, yes, the coffee was hot. And it was like, is John going to use the hot coffee as a weapon? Like what is <laughs> and the, the tennis racket? Right. Oh like, so, but he's like, in my mind, I just thought I had to hide someplace and I was going to need the coffee to like sustain myself. Sure. And like the tennis racket to defend myself. Or right. Something. Right. But Max, no, Max is like, a, he can't run away way we can't get him out of our grasps so you know and and i i just fucking knew something was gonna go down when we were all cleaning and you were like on good behavior i was like no this is not the end of this this is not you know so when i got the text like where at where is everybody and then max being like john's running around with a coffee pot and a tennis racket and i'm like yeah of course so by the time i get through the door he had he had corralled you back out you also had a piece of wood um and he was you were like i got this for you <laughs> i was like okay thank Great. you but thank you john thank you for that <laughs> and i was like i'm gonna beat you up with this and you were like yeah you're gonna punish me there's also this like sexual <laughs> undertone really 
especially always towards me because we have had a previously sexual relationship. So it's kind of like, uh, you're fucking bad girl. I'm like, oh, I'm going to murder you. John. You're like, I am nowhere near into this right now. And it, no, because I remember when you said that you were going to like stay over with me, when you said that, I was like, okay, in my <sighs> mind for a second there. <laughs> You motherfucker. Well, that's the thing, too, is like you do. You are very sexual when you are manic. It's not just it's just, a you know, it's a general thing in the that's past. That's part like, of it. That's part of it. So I know that's what's happening. But I'm also like, oh, this motherfucker's hitting on me right now. While I'm trying to get his ass into a hospital. You fucking dick. <laughs> um, you, you said something sexual that's to insane. me at, like at Cobra Club, too. And I just was like, I'm letting that one just wash right over. Another interesting thing. I was oh yeah, I said something like your, your like your sexuality like is like ferocious or something. Something ridiculous, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, John, and you're and, and <laughs> I also am wearing. Th- this is interesting, Kurt Cobain reference. I'm wear- I have these white sunglasses that are have pink lenses, and they're very reminiscent of the ones that Kurt Cobain wore, and you could see them in many photographs. Um, and you kind of were like, you know, Kirk, Kirk Cobain wore those. And I'm like, yeah. And you were like, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? As if, like, I should get some sort of, like, reference that you are making. You know what I mean? Like, isn't it? And I'm like, is it? Like, are you saying I'm Kirk oh, Cobain? I, don't, I honestly don't. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I, like, Kirk Cobain, who works for the IRA, who also, you know, is a globalist. Kirk Cobain like, doesn't you, work for the IRA. That's crazy. That's what, I'm sa- that's what I'm saying. Is like, okay, there's always symbolism to everything. But I'm like, I don't know what you're exactly referring to i think it's weird i think i have this like heightened sense of like psychotic spirituality when i'm manic too or i think that i'm like interacting with or perceiving or or have some kind of like connectivity with Mm -hmm. like uh dead famous people and shit like that one of which being kurt cobain yeah yeah something weird like that where i feel like i'm like perceiving their cosmic consciousness or, or like, something i don't I, fucking know with the sunglasses i'm actually kurt cobain trying to talk to you like whatever anyways so no I, you can't no not that you can't make me crazier than i am that's bullshit uh, how dare you all right so <laughs> not with that attitude so <laughs> not with that attitude go ahead so okay so holy then, shit so you go escape ahead, you have the wood you think i'm gonna dominate you or something i'm exhausted too. i'm getting exhausted at this point too and i and I'm, I'm so i'm so like i'm like oh my god i'm gonna wake up in the morning tomorrow and i'm gonna try to get john to get his blood taken like what is that that's never you know what i mean but i'm just trying to like all right well let's just take things step by step interesting your doctor also said to me that we had to hold on to the clonopin like she didn't want you to have all the clonopin to yourself which will come into play <laughs> later <laughs> <laughs> How'd that uh, work out? I yeah, know, go God. So, so we get we get you back to the place, and I'm like, John, you have to take your meds. You're kind of dilly dallying and avoiding it, and I, and I think you were like, "Can I read the label or something? Like, can I see this?" And just out of like exhaustion and whatever, I was just like, "Yeah, sure." In my mind, you were gonna read the bottle and like make up some bullshit, like you were allergic or whatever. And I'm like, "All right, let's just let him do whatever fucking." trick he thinks he's gonna do i'm gonna shove those meds down his throat whatever it takes right and and max is in is in the kitchen cleaning alessandro is at sleeping i don't know <laughs> taking a nap and you just so quickly opened the clonopin and just took the entire bottle 
and like it was so I thought maybe you threw it on it was so shocking I thought you like threw it on the floor maybe or were like hiding it like I didn't clock immediately that you had taken it because it's such it was like 50 25 to 50 like there was a lot it was a whole bottle so then you were like I'm neuroatypical I can take it and I'm like fuck no neuroatypical my ass so then we're like holy <laughs> shit John just took an entire bottle of pills. Okay, couple things. Yeah, that was objectively super fucked up. Um, what I want to say is, I think Alessandro's calmness comes from how many times he's been around me from these episodes, sure, sure, but yeah. whatever. But what I want to say is, like, okay, so yes, it was dangerous, but it wasn't like a full thing of pills. They were like, they were like, they were not the. I thought they were the smallest size of clonopin but they were not they were the second to smallest Mm -hmm. and so they were in there so they're like those little pills that only fill like a kind of like the bottom of a whole pill bottle but Mm -hmm. for me to just all score like scarf an entire whatever what is it who knows what what is it a week supply two weeks supply who knows a month supply yeah you know what i mean that it was dangerous i just i really and I, i i the mentality really somehow was, oh, wow, this is what I need to do to get these techno-fascist entities off my back Mm -hmm. to not kill me. Mm. That was really really the mentality. Well, yeah. Isn't that weird? Also, like, again, like, this is not rational you, so rational you would never do that in front, like, you know what I mean? It's it's traumatic and, and, and risky and, you know not a great but like you know we're we're just we're not operating with that person so we're like all right that's what he chose to do i mean honestly kind of did as a favor in a sense well, that's that's the craziest part is yeah. that like so because of that like if i didn't do that i would not you guys would not have been able to call the emts they yes. would not have then been able to get me to the hospital where then I would could like a regular hospital where I could wait for a bed to open up a psychiatric bed and for me to get into a psychiatric hospital. If I didn't do that, who knows what would have happened? That's what's so crazy. But like, it's just such a crazy thing where unfortunately, and somebody recently called me because she's worried about her friend Mm -hmm. who is dealing with what seems like an extended manic episode. Mm -hmm. And I did not have any definitive answers of like A to B to C playbook of how to get someone to a hospital. And it sucks because you want people to have rights. You want people to have human rights when it comes to Mm -hmm. some level of neuro neurodiversity and stuff like that against you too. You know, like that's a very slippery slope to be like, you can just commit anyone, you know, exactly. That's what it's so hard, you know, but yes, I mean, that's also frustrating for us because we're like, where does this end? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. where, when can we get you into treatment? How can we do that? Like, again, there is no answer. You kind of, we kind of walked into your apartment being like, all right, let's see what happens. Um, which sucks, which sucks. So what ended up happening, psychos, was I down those clonopins. Mm-hmm. In my mind, it was not a dangerous thing to do, which mm-hmm. is insane. In my mind, it was a, like, get the globalists off my back. Which, by the way, I've come out the other end of it now and can make comedy about these fuckers in like a zen way because mm-hmm. I feel like I had this weird emotional, psychological, spiritual reckoning with all of it. But mm-hmm. that's a whole other uh, point. But then after I did that, 
then explain what I tried to do in my escape. Okay, well, so Max called the EMTs very quickly, and they happened to be nearby, thank God. Um, but they... So first, I grabbed you, and I was shoving my fingers down your throat, trying to get you to throw up. And I was kind of like wrestling you to the bathroom and trying to get you to throw up. And you were kind of complying with me, not fully... Um, there was like an acknowledgement that you had taken all these pills, you know, and it was very like, like Max was very like, we're calling the EMTs and I'm like, yep. And I'm like, John, we're making you throw, like, it's very, because it become, it's such an emergency, you know, in our mind, it's a ticking clock until these, you start metabolizing these meds. I don't know if it would have killed you. I don't think so, but like, I'm not taking the chance, you know? Now there's this like huge amount of adrenaline and huge amount of like danger and urgency of everything that happens. And also I feel so guilty because number one, your therapist, psychologist, excuse me, was like, don't give him, don't allow him access to these pills. And then I foolishly gave them to you. And like, you know, I'm like, oh, I killed John. I'm John's going to die. And it's my fault. You know? Oh, buddy. I'm so sorry. It's okay. This is fucked nuts. It was, it, was, it was definitely not my favorite moment. But do you um, see that psychos manic episodes are not just fun and games? No, y'all. it's not all Shane uh, O'Connor uh, and Rosie O'Donnell. So uh, so I'm <laughs> Roseanne Barr. Why do you keep saying? Oh, because oh, my last name is Roseanne Barr. Oh, yeah, that's. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. I'm shoving my fingers down your throat. It's not really doing anything. And then you try to escape. You're trying to get out of the apartment again. Um, I remember I got back to where Pat's room was. I remember being in between like the bedroom yes. and the living room. Mm-hmm. And like I'm trying to squirrel my way out. And Alessandra, who does jujitsu like three, four times a week, is like keeping me in check on one end. You're keeping me in check and the other. Mm-hmm. And he's like, dude, he's like, what do you do? He's like, what are you doing? He's like, I do this for fun. Relax. Yeah, I know. Like, there I was know. no he way I was going to escape. Hold. Yeah. And you were trying to bite him to get out of the chokehold. And he was I like, think at one point I did the bite thing. He's like, no biting, no yes. biting. <laughs> yes. And I was just, yeah, we were brawling. Like we were like hitting walls and stuff. Squirrel is the perfect word because you're smaller than me. So you find like a little hole oh, and you try burrow to through. thrust your energy. Also, I re- yes. you are so, you have so much fucking energy when you're this manic. You have like this weird strength to you. You're very hard to hold down. You would also grab like the inside of door frames and like launch yourself using that. <laughs> I was like <laughs> so fucking insane. I was like slamming you down. Like I was using yeah. my entire body weight to slam you to the ground. Yeah, I, I it was think fucked I also up. was pissed. You should be. You should be fucking pissed. But like, you know, you know I think I was just it was there was so much adrenaline, so much energy. And I, I run angry and I was just like, all right, this is going to give me an excuse to fucking nail you. But also at the same time, I'm like, I can't <laughs> let you leave this because if you leave, then you might potentially run away. Now you're running around with all these drugs in your system. Who knows what's going to happen? You know what I mean? I'm like, it's not an option. He is not an option to let him out of this apartment. So, yeah, I remember after the fact, I said to Alessandra, I was like, I was like, maybe because right after I took him, like we got into that wrestling match and my heart rate got up so much that like that, like helped the medicate, help the pills, like not like overtake me. He's like, I don't think that's how that works. No, I don't think that's science. I think you take a bottle (laughs) of pills, take a bottle of pills. 
Um, so the next thing I remember, and I don't remember a ton of stuff, I remember the EMT showing up, and I remember me being somehow, because you never know when I'm going to just be chill. Like, yeah, I remember being pretty with chill them. with them. You were compliant with them, but compliant I kept being them. like, don't trust him. I kept being like, don't trust him, because again, like... And, and every step of the way, it's like, we need everyone to know that you're bipolar and you're having a manic episode. You're also very smart and manipulative and you're going to be able to maybe appear lucid for a while and be like, I'm fine or whatever. The thing is, again, you took the pills. So that was kind of off the table. Like, they're not going to be like, oh, well, you seem fine, sir. <laughs> Have a good day. You know what I mean? Like, that's not going to happen. But I'm just like, don't trust him. You know, he needs to go to a psych ward. Here's his doctor. You know, there's a lot of like us communicating with the EMTs and then you being walked out. Um, Did so they give me something right away when they got there? Like some version of Narcam or something? So I don't know. And this is what was really scary about it was because they, you were being let out by them and I was then like trying to close up the place or whatever, like get all of our shit or, you know, cause I'm like, we're not coming back here. Um, so I didn't see them putting you into the ambulance, but they were standing outside for a while and I completely had like dissociated at this point. By the time we were outside, I was completely fucking on another planet. Um, and I was Fuck. kind of like wandering around, you know, I called your doctor to like, let her know what was happening. I called Pat, you know, the, whose apartment it was and say what ha what's happening, you know, but I didn't like either the EMTs didn't tell me, or I wasn't there for that portion of it being like, Oh, he has like a version of Narcan or something like that. That like, he's not in physical danger anymore of like overdosing or whatever. So in my world, it's, there's two ambulances and they're not moving. So they're not like taking you anywhere. So I'm like, is he dead? Like, are you giving him anything? Like what is fucking happening right now? I kept, I told the doctors where you wanted to, or the EMT workers where you wanted to go. And they're like, well, we can't take him there, but we'll take him here. And because I knew one in Long Island City that like your doctor said also was OK. So there was like that negotiation, but there wasn't really any like status update as to like, is my friend going to die? So then I eventually went up to them and was like, what's going on? Like, you know, in terms of like the, uh, you know, the, is he going to be OK? Are you pu are you pumping his stomach? You know, like what's happening? And they were kind of flippant, to be honest. They're like, oh, no, he's fine. He did like, he's been fine type thing. Like, we've dealt with that aspect of it. And after. And you're like, you, why didn't you fucking tell exactly, me? You know exactly. I, mean? I was yeah. so fucked up about that. And maybe they told Matt. Sure. But I don't think they did tell Max and Alessandra because I feel like they would have told me. So I'm just like, I'm why sure they would have. Fuck, do you not tell me this? Like, and so. I'll tell you, that is so, I, uh, so hard for me to hear that. Jesus Christ. Fuck. Well, uh, it was. Hard to live it, to be honest. So, yeah, no, I know, I know. And so then I just was screaming. I was screaming. Um, I think the adrenaline, because there was so much adrenaline the whole time, and then the the end part was so intense. And, and like I had to stay at a certain level the whole time of like staying level and calm. So then finally I get to like release in some way like to express how painful and scary and whatever everything is and also relief about you not being dead basically like by in my mind by my hand i know that's not true but like i felt the sense of responsibility sure yeah that's horrifying it to you. you know so i'm like so i don't remember all i remember is then i don't even remember whatever reason i don't remember being in the ambulance all mm -hmm. next thing i remember is being at presbyterian hospital 
mm-hmm. in like the regular hospital for a, a few days waiting for a bed to open up in a psychiatric hospital. Mm-hmm. But holy shit, if that fucked up like particular variant of how things went didn't happen, I may have not gotten hospitalized. That that mm-hmm. manic episode may have spun out way longer. You know what I mean? Who knows what would have yeah. happened for the rest and of the like, night? Who knows what would have happened the next day? And then it's the sort of thing, because it got nipped in the bud relatively early in that capacity, I was in a hospital. That sucked for sure. The psychiatric hospital sucked. But I got out of there. I got my, you know, I got stabilized mm-hmm. and didn't deal with a super, 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 like extended depression. And now I'm like, I'm somewhat back on track, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing is like, we were, we were like, this is bad. I mean, it's been worse, quote unquote, but that was the reason why we're like, we have to do something about this because what happens when it spins out again, like COVID everything, like I should see COVID this- on top of it makes it just so much, so much worse. You right. know, I blow through all of my money. It's just, it's, da- it's like dangerous every place. It's like, it's fucking disaster. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And look, look, I know that this puts you through the emotional ringer, to put it lightly. And just thank you for being there for me and being such a good friend. And fuck, dude. That's uh, thank you. Not with. Oh, uh, come on. Just can't you. <laughs> You're welcome. Just I can't. Fucking... You know, I can't do sincerity. You're welcome. Fuck. You're welcome. You're yeah. welcome. I love you. Hey, listen to me. I. Mm-hmm. I love you too very mm-hmm. much. Um, okay, I mean, you know what's you're funny fucking... though. You know what's funny what? though, in a poetic way, that I think this episode, also after this, I also a stalker. I have a stalker. He's now kind of seems to have gone dormant, but like this, along with that, spun me out to such a level that I started to go to therapy again because I was already feeling like not great before this. Another ha- thing happened with some close friends. Like your mania spun me so far into into like poor mental health that I went to see a doctor and then was diagnosed. And now got this diagnosis of bipolar two <laughs> right, disorder. Right. Because because what's interesting and again, like I think I went undiagnosed <laughs> for so long because I was fun- very functioning. I never I never hit mania. It's always hypomania. You know what I mean? Like I also have all these other like I have alcoholism, so that explains the drinking. Like I kind of snaked my way through, um, not on purpose. No, I think I was managing things in my own way for such a long time, and then so th- the yeah. wheels flying off is how we got to this particular. So yeah, I can. So this is when I get to say to yeti. you, "You're welcome." <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for me caring enough and trusting you enough to go fully spun out to the mm-hmm. point where you thought that it was your fault that I was going to pass away, you would not <laughs> have gotten this bipolar two diagnosis that now allows you to make some changes to really thrive in this life. Literally like two people who are chemically imbalanced pushing each other towards treatment. All right. It's so the blind leading the blind. It's such, (laughs) it's so fucking funny. Well, look, it's fucking crazy, but honestly, I, I, I think, God, I think my lucky stars, I think whatever that it broke this way because sure, it could have too. been so, so bad. And it actually turned into for a really bad situation, a 
kind of a best case scenario, <laughs> which is so fucking crazy. Isn't it insane? Yeah, we're in but the upside yeah, but down listen, for sure. You're a fucking superhero, and I would say now would probably be the best time to plug your podcast mm. because any psychos listening to this definitely have to listen to the hot mess comedy hour please let people know yes well actually it's funny your episode of the hot mess comedy hour is one of our most downloaded ones uh because that's it awesome you discussing your last your previous manic episode which was one of one of the greats one of the all-time greats um Ugh. <laughs> and also me discussing uh, my lady orgy at Burning Man. So that one was <laughs> packed. That'll do it. When you Probably. got a when you got a, a wild ass manic episode taking place in our nation's capital, mm-hmm. uh, coupled with a lady orgy in Burning Man, you're gonna get some downloads. Yeah, it was one of the one of the gl- grand slam episodes. One of my favorites. A really great um so there's john's episode of the hot mess comedy hour um and you know it's funny like i mentioned to emily i'm like good thing because i spoke a little bit about my diagnosis on the last episode of the hot mess comedy hour um you know and it's like it is there was some foresight in me beginning <laughs> starting a podcast about like being insane <laughs> um because mm. now I have a diagnosis. Well, it's interesting because it the, it was started around the Hot Mess Comedy Hour, which is an interview show, and the question that we ask our guests is, "Why are you a hot mess?" So it can kind of go any direction that the guest or ourselves or where we steer it. But we started it actually um, as soon, like roughly maybe a few months after I got sober, and Emily was struggling with a lot of eating disorder and anxiety issues. So we've kind of used this show as like catharsis and healing in a certain sense. Um, but you also get to hear us like age and change and also be diagnosed for, you know what I mean? It was like alcoholism, sex addiction, you know, and now the newest member of my family is bipolar. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, well, it's, it's an awesome, awesome show. And the dynamic you. between you and Emily is, is so, so great. And you guys have great, interview skills uh and i really i really highly suggest that all you psychos check it out yes please do and follow me at andrea comedy 69 on instagram there's thirst traps all over the place (laughs) definitely Uh, do that it is thirst trap central the pandemic Uh, has only greatened the amount of time that i post my bare ass so if anything follow me for that if you're an ass man Yes, if you are uh, as an ass person in general. Mm-hmm. I, uh, Sorry, excuse I me. Right? I don't want to be yeah. in the binary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Andrea, thank you so much. This is such a great episode, and I I appreciate you. I appreciate uh, you. You know, um, I'll, I'm still alive. <laughs> yeah. I was actually listening to that song "Alive" by Pearl Jam, and I was like, "Fuck, dude." I'm still fucking alive, man. Yes. All this crazy shit. Yes. So let's John live positively. Mm-hmm. Let's live peacefully. Let's live healthfully and creatively. And there's something to longevity. And I uh, I want to live for a long time. And I love you and appreciate you deeply. Not with that attitude. Ow. <laughs> I love you and appreciate you deeply, too. There you go. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> I knew that was painful for you, but thank mm-hmm. you. All right. Uh, I'll talk to you soon, okay? Bye, Andrea. Bye.